Smile on your face and
sits on heaven's mercy seat. Worthy is the Holy, 
nation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. story and I thought it is the life in your story that speaks life to other people so we have life because of Jesus and and I was thinking when Kim was singing that song had come out right before I was paralyzed and I had to lay in bed singing I was so hyped up about the song when it came out and I was laying in bed paralyzed and singing you say I am loved when I can't feel a thing literally couldn't feel anything but my head and I just keep thinking about breath God is the breath of life, and he is breath of life to you this morning through all of your struggles, no matter what you're going through. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but that's all. That's my hope is Jesus and his amazing grace and his breath that keeps me going no matter what I'm facing. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breath?
Can't believe he's gone Thought he'd be here forever proved me wrong It's just a week ago Thought I would call to say hello But I'm reminded once again Life's a vapor in the wind Love the people that God gives you. They're a gift that's heaven sent. Live and laugh and make some memories. Cherish every one of them. Cause none of us are here forever. a proven fact love the people that God gives you cause one day he'll want them back each day the mirror tells the story I wonder where time has gone Children laughing round the table Now have children of their own There may be things you need to say So while today is still today You have a chance to hold them close one more chance to let them know Love the people that God gives you They're a gift that's heaven sent Live and laugh and make some memories Cherish every one of them None of us are here forever. That's a proven fact. Love the people that God gives you. Cause one day he'll want them back. And the list keeps getting longer. Friends and family that I miss But when I think of what matters most It all comes down to this None of us are here forever That's a proven fact Love the people that God gives you Cause one day he'll want them back Yes, love the people that God gives you 
because one day he'll want them back. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise, for it was grace that bought my liberty. I do not know just why he came and loved me so. He looked beyond my faults and he saw my needs. I shall forever.
someone directly you've lost family somewhere lost friends or someone through the war and uh, God has been so gracious to this land I think amazing grace what Matthew sung about God's amazing grace he looked beyond our faults and see our needs that's been America's life's blood that God has given us something worth fighting for something worth dying for, something worth living for. And I praise God for the grace and the mercy of what he's did in this country. And I ask God to do it again. I ask God to rise us up, help us to see who we are supposed to be and be in that place. Today I've got a different message. I have not got a Memorial Day message, or I don't think it is. It might turn out to be that way. I don't know. But I want you to uh, hear what I feel like God laid on my heart. I want you, if you got your Bible, to turn to 13th chapter of Genesis. Ben brought something up the other night at our Bible study. He brought something up about the beginning. He read about the first part of Genesis, how God created all things. Something that every one of our Families ought to be teaching to those left behind. We ought to teach every one of our children. I don't care what the world teaches. I don't care what the school says. You need to get back to the word of God and teach the basics of creation. You need to teach who started this. Either God started it or he told a lie to start with, and, and it's not true any of it. But it is true, and God's the one that began this world. And he started with Adam. All through the Bible, it talks about the first Adam. And you know what? You're going to understand one day you'll stand before him. And that doesn't matter what you think about it. It'll be what he says it is. And I'm sure this word will bring it out. And I thank him for that. And I don't worry about what people think of me if they think I'm just ignorant of science or ignorant of other things. I had a guy I worked with that always told me the definition, the scientific definition of everything going. He told me what a rainbow was. He told me everything about it. And I just looked at him. I said, all that wisdom you got, you're going to die just like me. What are you going to do with eternity? And you know what? He, he left that day. And the next day, I come in. He's reading a little book in the corner. And I walked over to him and said, Gary, what you reading? And he said, he flipped it over, and it was how to die. Just by what I said, he went and found him a book on how to die. And I thought to myself, you ain't never going to know until you know the one that has defeated death. You never know how to leave this life until you get a hold of him 
that's alive inside of you that'll never die. Praise God. I want you to remember my wife, if you will. She's not here today. I don't have somebody to give me that look. I know there's a few of you know how, but I kind of rely on that. I want you to turn to Genesis 13. I want you to look at verse 5. Start out with, I want you to understand something. God had called Abraham. God had called him out. There is a man with Abraham, a young man, that was his nephew. His name is Lot. And everybody's heard the story of Lot that's been in church before. But Lot's father passed away. His name was Haran. And Haran died and Lot was taken in by Abraham. Abraham took care of him. I don't know how young he was when his father died. It does not say. But it tells how Abraham and Sarah took him in and took care of him. And he basically lived with them. And when God called Abraham to leave his people, Lot went with him. I want you to understand something. The influence, listen to me, the influence of what you have growing up is so important. You can ignore it. You can walk off and say, I'm going to do things the way the world's doing. I'm going to do what the rest of the world's doing. I don't need all of that heritage influence from old folks that used to do it a different way. I need to do it my way. I need to fit into what the world's doing. I want my kids to fit in what the world's doing. I'm going to tell you something. Lot was a good person. The Bible says in 2 Peter, Peter quoted it, and Peter, I believe, was anointed by God to speak it. But he said that Lot was a righteous man. I'm not condemning Lot today. I don't want you to understand something. That's between him and God. His life is between him and God. Your life is between you and God. But how many's made bad choices in their life? I sure have. I've made many bad choices. Some of them way back at the beginning of my life, and some of them were uh, not so bad. God covered me up, or God helped me, or God uh, brought me through it and restored me. But some choices that we make in life haunt us the rest of our life. Be careful when you walk away from what God is showing you. When I'm talking about somebody that knows what righteousness is. They know what a righteous person is and what a righteous life is. And when you begin to say, I don't think I need that, and I begin to make choices to walk away from it, you're not walking toward God because God has laid before you this righteous walk, and you're walking the other way. Now, I'm not trying to tell you what you're supposed to do. If you hear from God to do something, that's your business. But you know what I'm saying. Every one of you know what I'm saying. You have choices to make in your life. And you'll make some of those choices. And as soon as sometimes you get started down that road, you'll think, oh, I wished I was back. I wished I could do and turn it around and change what I did. But how many knows we learn by those things? We grow up. We learn to trust God. We learn to find out where God is. We learn what forgiveness is. We learn about the, the person that knows how to pick us back up and set us back on the right road. I want to talk to you about Lot. It says down in the fifth verse. It says, And Lot also, which went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. Now, that's verse 5. Why am I saying that? 
I want you to understand something. Something will get in your way in your life. You're just cruising along. You're happy with everybody. You're happy with everything. But something will happen in your life that forces you seemingly, you think it's a forced thing, to make a choice. And sometimes the choice you make is because the enemy has set it up. How many knows what I'm saying? And sometimes God will remove you. He'll put you in a place where he wants to move you another place. I can't tell you that. Only you know that. But listen to what I'm saying here. Lot, somebody that grew up in a righteous home because Abraham believed God, listened to God, and took the call. And Abraham left his family, and he went to establish what God had set up in him. He was listening, Abraham was, to the voice of God. Lot went with him, but Lot's making a choice now. He has to make a choice because all of a sudden you look out and he's got herds of, of cattle and things and so does Abraham and all of a sudden the herdsmen ain't getting along and the cattle ain't getting along and something's got to change. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Simple thing, ain't it? But it takes simple things to change things. And it'll take simple things sometimes to make you make choices that you're sorry for. I'm not trying to tell you you need to be sorry today. I'm going to tell you, follow what the will of God is and find your righteous walk with God. And get back in it as hard as you know how and never let the enemy trick you again. See, I don't know why our world's like that, but everybody's told all their life growing up in America, you just do whatever fits you. And their teachers and their colleges and especially our professor says, don't pay attention to them old folks you live with. They're from the old school. They don't understand this new world. And I'm going to tell you something, brother. If you've got a righteous family, you better hold on to that righteous family. I'm not telling you they're perfect. I'm not telling you, you know, Abraham was a righteous man, but he had, he had all kinds of faults and mistakes. But as long as he kept listening to God and going back to God, God called him his friend. Listen to what I'm telling you. But Lot come out of that place and you don't see God with Lot. I'm just telling you what I see. I'm reading it out this week and it just jumped out at me because I want you to understand what's going on. Going down to verse 8, Abraham said to Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee and between the herdsmen, uh, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before us, before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left, then I will take the right. I'll go to the right. And if, you take, if thou take the part to the right, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and behold, all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. Where is the plain of Jordan? The plain of Jordan, if you look at at Jerusalem, and you look at the Jordan River running down the side of it, if you look on the east side of Jordan, if you look where Jericho is, where they come across to come into Jericho, if you go from Jericho east, and you're going across the Jordan River, this is where Lot chose. 
This is where Lot chose the plain of Jordan. And it goes on to say, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another, and Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now, I want, to hear you. I want you to hear that because I want you to understand something. You can choose to walk away from the righteous walk that God has put before you, and you can choose, but when you choose and you know there's evil on that side, and yet Lot chose it anyway. I want you to understand, if you go on down and read the next verse, it says, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. How many knows he pitched his tent toward a wicked city? Somebody that's raised a righteous person. Somebody that's raised to walk a righteous walk has pitched his tent away from what God is giving. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to and I don't even know why I'm on this subject, but I've got to tell you something. God is dealing with people. God is trying his best to get us to align us together. And Connie said it this morning, we're to be in one accord, just like they were on the day of Pentecost. We're to be in one accord. I may rub you the wrong way, uh, Maria brought it up Thursday, Thursday night about offending people. I may offend you with what I say. I may not have walked in the same shoes you've walked. There's probably things that's happened to you that I've never had happen to me. So you know what? I'm not your judge. God knows you know what you're dealing with. But I will tell you this. The enemy will do everything he can to throw you off of the walk with God. Get away from those people. They don't believe like you do. They don't have compassion for you. They don't care about what your problems are. All they care about is their own. Listen to what I'm telling you. God's dealing with his church. He's dealing with making us one accord. He's coming after a church with, without spot or wrinkle. He's coming after all of us without spot or wrinkle. Not one of us. He's not. You're not getting on a mom and dad's skirt. And Lot wasn't going to get there on Abraham's. But I want to tell you something, other. It was Abraham's prayers. Moms, dads, listen to me. I know you're praying for your lost loved ones. It was Abraham's prayers that caused God to turn and pull Lot right out of there. He sent the angels, and he brought Lot right out of the, right out of the pit that he had dug and he was living in. Why did he stay? You know he saw all the evil going on inside of where. Why did Lot stay there? Does anybody have any idea why you would stay there? But sometimes you look and you'll see lost loved ones and they're right in the pit and you wonder why are you staying there? You know it's not right. You know it's wicked. You know it's influencing your children the wrong way. Did, did he have no idea what it was going to do to his family? Think about this. Did he have no idea what he's going to do to his children and to his wife? Once they got adapted to the influence of the world they were in, they could not turn it loose. They couldn't let it go. Even Lot had a hard time walking out. Even Lot. The angels had to grab him by the hand and say, come on, quit talking, let's go. I can't destroy this Sodom and Gomorrah until I get you out of here. Because why Abraham had prayed and pleaded for God to have mercy. Listen to me, God. Listen to me, parents. You keep pleading. 
And you keep crying out your children's name before God because he hears your cry. He knows what's going on in your home. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows your heart's broken. You want to have a heritage? You want to have a tomorrow with your family? You want to leave them serving God and walk in the path that brings them home? Then you have to stand in the gap and you have to pray for them like Abraham did. It was his nephew. He took him in because he loved him. He cared for him. He didn't separate himself. He didn't tell him just go ahead and leave. He always figured that he would have Lot near him. He always figured he could, and you find out in the next chapter, he went and fought a war for, to get Lot back because they got captured in a war. He went, Abraham gathered up his men, and he went and he rescued Lot. Why? Because he cared about him. It was his It was his. His brother's son that he took in, raised him and cared about him. Moms and dads, do whatever it takes for you to pay the price, to let God know, God, I want you to rescue my loved ones. I don't want one of them to miss heaven. There's an un unbroken circle. I don't want that circle broke. I don't want to look around and see empty places in the chairs. I want all of them to find their way. God paid the price. He gave his son for all to come. Verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abraham, in Genesis 13, verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes. And look from the place where thou art. Northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest to give, will I give to thee will I give. And to thy seed forever. Listen to me. You hear what he said to Abraham? Soon as Lot got out of the picture, I want you to hear this. God's not, he didn't kick Lot out. God, God is not the person that stirs up the evil. Lot chose to go where he went. He could have chose somewhere a lot better that didn't have all the influence of what was going on. But if you keep wanting to have what the world's doing, guess what you're going to find yourself? You're going to find yourself right in the thick of it. And when God blows the trumpet, you'll be turning around looking the other way. Because you're not listening for God. Am I too hard? I got to tell you the truth. But it says, verse 16, And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if, the, if, if a man could number the dust of the earth, then, should, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Listen to verse 17. I like this. My brothers and sisters will know what this means. God told Abraham, arise and walk through the land. I mean, you know what my family knows. When my papa bought some land up the river, it was about five or six acres, he bought it to put a garden out so he could feed all of his family and everybody that wanted any vegetables. Because papa was an old farmer and he knew how to do that. And us kids, the first time I ever went out there with him, papa would walk the land. 
He'd say, this is what God gave me. I'm going to walk it and see what it is. And he would take them big strides. And he called it three foot. Every time he stepped with them little legs, he called it three foot. You kids know what I'm talking. My brothers and sisters know what I'm saying. Because he did. He'd walk the land. He'd walk it and he'd count how many steps it was. He'd say, it's exactly this far. And it's exactly this far. He walked the whole square. He'd cross it and walk it every way he could. Because why? It was the land that God gave him. It was what he wanted to do in his heart. And God opened his heart and let him have it. So he took what he had and he walked it. God says to Abraham, as far as you can see, that's your land. I'm giving it to you. There was people on that land, but God had already passed judgment on them. They're going to be removed and I give it to you. Now walk it. Arise and walk the land. Why? Because how important is this land to you? How important is your family to you? How important is it where God has placed you in this life? Start taking a walk in your mind with your family. Start taking a walk with your mind over your children. Walk with them. I can remember when they were little babies. I can remember as they grew up. I know some of the hurts they had. I know some of the times they were out of the way. And I kept on praying. Mom and dad keeps on praying and keeps on drawing and keeps on working. Not that we're anything, but I know where I was, and I know if somebody hadn't prayed for me, I wouldn't be here today. Somebody's got to keep praying for your lost loved ones. They're the property that God gave you. Walk it. Walk it through your mind every day. Don't you dare ignore them. Move off to another state and ignore them. They don't need to be ignored. They need to face you. They need to face the prayers that's going up. God will reach them. But if they're out of sight, out of mind, sometimes you don't pray for them. You get used to not praying for them. You get influenced not to pray for them. Just care about the people around you. God had plans for what he was promising Abraham. My all of you know that Christians were to walk through what God has given us. Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar to the Lord. You don't find it saying Lot went and built an altar to the Lord, but you find Abraham, when Abraham went to where he was going, he drops and starts building an altar to the Lord. Listen to what I'm telling you. When you get out of the will of God and you get away from those things, you'll quit doing those things. You'll quit walking this righteous walk. You're searching for something that ain't there. You're being led astray. I know, mind your own business. Look at, I want you to turn to chapter 19. Genesis 19. In chapter 18 is where Abraham pleaded for Lot and his family because the angels came and said, we're come to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And right away, and God even said it, God even said it, should I hide this thing from Abraham? He, 
He knew Abraham. I can't hide what I'm going to do. So what he did, he pleaded. Abraham began to plead for the number of whatever he could get. God being merciful to those. Will you spare the city if there's 40? Will you spare it if there's 30? But he went all the way down and he didn't spare it. And there was four that left. And the wife turned around. And they were warned not to turn around. Don't look back. You know what? Lord's coming soon. What are you, what are you got your mind set on? Things of this world, your stuff? Because I can tell you right now, you're going to leave it behind. If you ain't ready to go home, get ready to go home. That means prepare your heart and your mind to say, Lord, you call, I'm going. I don't have to look back. I don't have to turn around. And, and he even says it. Remember Lot's wife. She turned around and looked back. Why? Because in her heart was all those things where she had raised her children in Sodom and Gomorrah. She may have been a pretty good person, but she turned around and had to look back at what she left. Why? She left some of her son-in-laws and daughters there. They died that day. She died that day. And Lot and his two youngest daughters is the only ones that got out. Best I can read it. And yet the influence was still there. It was still upon them. 19th chapter, verse 12, said, The men said to Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-laws, thy sons and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place? For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. I'm talking verse 12. If you didn't get 19, 12 through, down through there, it goes, uh, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake to his son-in-laws. Listen to how sad this is. Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. How many knows the world treats us like we're mocking them when we tell them there's the end is coming? When we tell them Jesus is coming soon, are you ready? Did you know the world's mocking and making fun of that now? They're laughing and think it's a joke. It's no joke. They hear it every day somewhere. If you listen to the gospel and are wanting to hear the truth, God will send you the truth. But if you keep rejecting it, God's going to blind your eyes and you won't ever receive it. But it's there. God's telling, we know. I said this a few couple weeks ago. We know it's coming. We know that God is who he is. And if God's who he is, he will pass the judgment. There is no doubt that God is a true judge. And when he passes judgment, so many people's in trouble. So many people's not ready, even in the churches. But he gave him time to go and speak to those son-in-law. But it was too late. How many knows a choice way back when Lot separated himself from Abraham? A choice to pitch his tent towards Sodom and the wicked city of it. How many knows the influence upon his family was too great? 
wasn't going to fix it. Lot's pleading with him. But they just looked at him like you're somebody just mocking. You're somebody living in another world. And when the morning rose, the angel hastened Lot, and arise, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, who lingered? Lot lingered. He just told him, Get, get your children, get your two daughters, and get out of here. We're waiting to destroy this place. But what does he do? He lingers. There's a part of Lot in here that you can see he's hesitant about obeying. He's hesitant. I'm not picking on him. I'm not judging him. You know what? We've all been hesitant about what God says to do. But God's bringing judgment. God's going to speak the words real soon. He keeps on giving us the warnings, but we ain't listening. I'm sorry. Sometimes I think to myself, Lord, I'm not listening. I need to get back on my knees because I'm not hearing it clear. While he lingered, the men laid a hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters. And the Lord being merciful to him, they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain." Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And then Lot began to plead for, he didn't want to go to the mountain, he wanted to go to a little city named Zor. And then when he got to Zor, he didn't like Zor because he was afraid of what they would do. They were probably a lot like Sodom and Gomorrah. But it says here, down at verse 24, then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord of heaven, out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Didn't he tell them, don't look back? Isn't he telling us when he comes to get us, it'll happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye? There is nothing to look back to. Jesus went away to prepare a better place. I want to go where he is. I don't want to look back. I don't have nothing back here, including this old body. Get me a new body, Lord. Get me a new, a new reviving, a new restoration in my spirit. Get me excited about going home. Because that's where home is. That's where together we'll all be together forever in him if we know him. He's pointing us. He's paid the price. He's built the city. He's waiting to come. He's waiting with grace and mercy and long-suffering trying to reach still his families, reach our loved ones. As long as we keep praying, God's going to keep on having mercy. He's going to keep on waiting. I know he won't wait forever. The day will come because he knows all things. It says in verse 27, And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place. This is Abraham. After they left, Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld 
And lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. It wasn't Abraham that couldn't look. Abraham could look because he knew that was a wicked city. He wasn't looking, grieving for the loss of a wicked city. No, he was concerned about how many escaped because he knew there wasn't enough to save the city. He was concerned. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow. And he, when he overthrew the cities in that which Lot dwelt, God remembered Abraham. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you know Abraham was praying for Lot? Don't you know it was important enough that it was quoted after that? That Abraham prayed for Lot and God gave Lot mercy. I don't know where my children are sometimes. I don't know where my grandchildren are sometimes. Don't know where my friends are sometimes. Sometimes they say good things to my face, but I don't know if they're really living there. They know the words to speak. Maybe yours are the same way. But can I tell you something? Keep praying for them. Because God's a merciful God. If he can reach them, he's the only one that can reach them. When we can, he will. And he'll remember your prayers. He remembered Abraham's prayers. Now I want to tell you something else about Lot that you probably don't ever hear in the church. Used to, I'd ignore stuff like this and kind of push it away. Because it's hard to talk about. Got young people in here and I don't like to really talk about it. But it's true. And it's in the Bible. You got to understand, when God puts something in the Bible, he put it there for a reason. Young people, pay attention to this because you understand. With all the problems of the sexual world going on in our life, with all the headaches that's going on, with all the things that's gotten away from God, I want you to hear this. It says in verse 30, and Lot went up to Zor and dwelt in a mountain and two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zor and he dwelt in a cave and he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, our father is old and there's not a man in the earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine and we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. How many knows the influence of growing up in Sodom and Gomorrah's got their brain thinking. Partly of what they're thinking, and they're, what they're thinking is committing incest. If you don't understand, I'm not going to explain it. But it's the truth. And they got their father drunk, and they slept with him. And they had children by him, each one of them. They took turns. One did one night, and then the next, whenever it was, the next one got him drunk, and they did it again. You think God was behind that? Do you think they were doing justified reasons? No, they got away from righteousness. They got away. Lot doesn't understand that they would even think that way. Because they never confided in Lot. You can blame Lot, but I'm going to tell you, it says right here in verse 33, the firstborn went in and lay with the father, and he perceived not. He, they got him so drunk, he didn't know what he was doing. And it says, when she lay down, nor when she arose, he didn't even perceive that it was happening. 
You say, no, I don't believe that. Well, you can believe what you want, but that's what it says. And you know what? It not only says it there, it goes on down to say when the younger one did the same thing. It says down in verse 35, the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when she laid down nor when she arose. You hear what's happening? Do you see the influence of a, growing up in a wicked town, wicked time, and a wicked place? Do you know how much we're growing up, our kids are growing up in that land? Do you know how much we look like Sodom and Gomorrah? Do you know if God passed judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah, he's going to have passed judgment on us? Listen to me, parents. Listen to me, young people. Don't take the bait of what they're doing. Don't take the carrot they're throwing out. It's not for you. It's not for God's people. It will cause you to make a choice that sometimes will haunt you the rest of your days. You can think it's just something fun. It's something else I can do. I can do what I want. Nobody cares. But you'll pay a price from that day on unless God removes your heart from it. He can forgive you, and he can forgive you and forget it. But sometimes you bear those things. Those things that happened right here, guess what happened? The first one had a son. His name was Moab. The second one had a son and named him Beamini or something other. And he was, the Moab was the Moabites. The Moabites is where Ruth came through. Ruth is actually an ancestor to Christ. God used it in a bad situation. But I'll still tell you, the Moabites hated Israel and they were their enemies all their life. And so was the Ammonites, which is where the Benjamin came from. The second daughter, her son was the tribe of Ammonon, the Ammonites. And the Ammonites were also the enemy of Israel. Do you think God creates enemies for Israel like that? Not that way. God allowed to raise up a Nebuchadnezzar. He's allowed to raise up somebody to correct Israel, but he don't raise up uh, through incest children that way. How many knows they stepped out? Lot's family was out. Did little did Lot know, even though he was a good man, the choice he made was destroying his family down the road. You don't hear much after that. You hear very little of Lot. The only thing it said is in Peter gives you the hope that Lot was a righteous man, that he was vexed, more or less. He was troubled with this in him all the time. He was vexed with living in the city as a righteous person. He knew they were wrong. He'd been raised good enough to know that while he lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, he was dealing with the evil all the time. And his family was growing up in it. Did he have the guts to say, you know what? If I lose everything I got, I'm getting out of here and taking my children. You don't see that. We don't see that in America. People likes the influence of how much they got or what clique they belong to or what they're doing. Listen to me. God sees what you're looking at. And God says it's time to separate yourself. It's time to pull yourself out. It's time to leave it all behind. Did you know he left it all behind anyway? Lot left with nothing but his two daughters 
and them with so much bad influence, they did that to their own father, thinking they were going to get cheated in life. I know what I'm saying is hard, but it's true today. Can I tell you it's true? Sometimes I look and I say, God, give me something real nice for Memorial Day to say. And then God lays this on me, and I, I felt like hiding somewhere. But Randy, I know it's what God's saying. I know it's what God is telling our people. Our people has got to understand you have to choose now. Don't wait till God says, blows that trumpet and say, well, I think I'll change my mind. I don't think I'll buy that car. I don't think I'll go out there and spend all that money. I don't think I'll get myself wrapped up into this program and that program. And I'll pick it on nobody. You know, you do what you do with what you got. God gave it to you. But be sure you pray about everything. Be sure you include God. Be sure that when you make choices that God is in the midst of your choice. I take him with me everywhere I go, everywhere I live, everywhere I work, every time my family goes somewhere, even on vacation. I take him with me because I don't know. I, I've been in a pool. We was in a pool down there where Mark, you guys go there and that Arabian Nights place where I was. And this lady was acting real weird in the pool. Just kept walking around us. Me and Shirley were standing there talking. We weren't talking loud. She couldn't hear a word we said. She comes over there. And she says, you guys are ministers. I just looked at her. And Shirley said, yeah, he, he's a minister. And she said, my husband got operated on, and he's really bad sick. And I want you to pray for him. Can I tell you something? God will lead you places. And God will open up doors. I don't feel like my prayer is much better than anybody else, but I know this. I did call on the one that I know that can change things. And I know God showed her that for some reason for us to pray. We have to stand in the gap. We have to stand against what's going on. I'm not afraid of what they say. I'm not afraid of what they're doing. Then they can't take enough away from me. They can't take what's important to me. What God has given cannot be removed. Enemy has no power. I'm going to read no more of that. It's... It says, I'm, I'm, Becky, come on back up. It says in 2 Peter, I wanted to read a little of that. It said, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them with, which over, condemn with, with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Did you know, listen to what he said. He said, Peter said, to those that live ungodly, Sodom and Gomorrah is an example. So don't look at Sodom and Gomorrah as they were wicked people. We can look at ourselves today. Listen to what he's saying. He set an example. God uses examples to give us that we can read the story about it and know what God has said. It says, and he delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. 
for this for the for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. That means that vexed means it troubled his life. Do you know he never had no peace living in Sodom and Gomorrah because he knew the righteous way. See, some of us, you know, no matter what you say, my, my dad used to call it rurt. You're rurt for life. That's the way they say it down in Kentucky, I guess. You're ruined for life, or rurt. And that's the way he'd say it. When you meet Jesus and you have him inside, you're rent for life. You know the righteous way. And everywhere you go, you're not content. You're not content. You can go to a nice, beautiful place. I've been to Yellowstone and I've been to the Tetons. I think some of the prettiest sights in the world. I've been out there and I look at it. And right at the bottom of the Tetons, the last time I went, they had a big old party bar. Covered the whole bottom of the mountain. And I thought it looked like when Moses was up getting the law and they all went to the party. And I thought, oh God, you gave us this beauty and they turned it into a party. Went to Yellowstone, went to Old Faithful and right at the foot of Old Faithful, right at the bottom, right at the, uh, the Old Faithful end, the old-fashioned wood building, hundred and something years old, they built a bar. And me and Shirley stayed all night, three nights in Old Faithful Inn. I had no idea. I thought at 8 or 9 o'clock when it got dark, everybody went to bed. <laughs> I mean, all you, had, all you had was an old building. It didn't have TV or nothing going on. Had an old building. So I, I get out, and I told Shirley, I'm going to walk down, this, down there and see if I can see that geyser go off at night. I walked down there, and I all down to the bottom of this was just nothing but a bunch of drunks. Staggered around. And I thought, you're taking this beauty and you make it another bar. You make it happy time. You can't be happy with God. You can't have contentment inside your heart. You've got to have something else. Listen, I'm not trying to condemn everybody or anything. God gave us this life, but walk it in your heart and know that God gave it to you. And walk it through and pray for it as you walk through. I've heard Bobby and different ones come out here at this church. And they walk from pew to pew. And they pray for everybody that sits in those pews. They visualize who's sitting there. And they pray. And I've done that. Sitting in my, even in my house. I've sat and I've looked at the pews. And I know who's there. And I've been praying for certain people. Because I know troubles are constantly coming against them. God has been too good to us to accept anything but what he's given us. I don't know who I'm talking to. don't know why I brought this message up. But I know God knows. And I know the day we're living in, the warnings are here. Get a hold of what God is saying to you. God has given you great grace and great mercy. He's forgiven us time and time again. He's loved us when we were unlovable. He forgave us when we failed him. Sometimes seven times 70. He's forgiven us. Isn't it time to make up your mind that Lord, when you call, I'm going to be ready. 
I'm going to prepare my heart and I'm not going to look at my stuff. I'm going to look at you. And when you call, I'm going home. I ain't even looking back. I ain't got nothing to look back to. I've got to go home to be with Jesus. Only example that Abraham could set was to finish his race for God. Only example Lot could do would be to finish his race, but his family paid a great price. No more said. And I pray that God gave him grace just like every one of us. I pray that God brought him back. I'm sure his heart was broke, just like a lot of parents today. You see your little children, they're just so sweet and innocent, but they grow up and the enemy is right there to grab a hold of them and jerk them into the world, one way or the other. It's always somebody else that did it. Always somebody else's kid that caused it to happen or somebody else's fault. But the real truth is the enemy is out to destroy every one of us. We have to pray and seek God for our lost loved ones. Everybody stand if you will. Luke 17 talks about Lot. Talks about Noah and then it talks about Lot. And it talks about when Jesus is coming back. Just as it was in the days of Noah, just as it was in the days of Lot, people are eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Doesn't seem to care. Doesn't seem to even look. And he said, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he shall, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house. Listen to this. His stuff in the house. Let him not come down and take it away. And he that is in a field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Something in Lot's wife. She might have been a good mother. She may have loved her children. She probably had a hard time leaving those daughters with them son-in-laws probably was helping take care of the babies or whatever was going on in her life. But she could not just turn and leave and let them all die. She had to turn around and to see she had too much behind her to leave it. I'm going to tell you something. you got to make it home. Make it home for what Jesus did for you. You, I can't force my wife to live right. I can't force my wife to be ready. All I can do is live the best that I know how every day and let God do the rest of it. God will. See, God knows how. I loved my father and mother, but they couldn't take none of us to heaven. We just have to see what they did, and we have to walk the best that we can. They weren't perfect. I can promise you, every one of us kids can tell stories on them but they were what God gave us and we were what God gave them. And they loved us enough to tell us the truth. Don't push away God's day. Don't push away what God has given. It may not be another day when you can give it where you will hear it. While they sing, if you need to pray, you come. I 
got up on Sunday morning, went to the church at 10, and I listened to the words I heard time and time again. The preacher told of a sinful life, it seemed he spoke of mine, but I was young. I was thinking this week, and I got a younger brother, Sam, it's not here today, Jacob's here, but when my dad retired, Sam's turn was to get up and say something, and he told a story, and it came to me last night. Dad 
Sam said I got up. I was getting ready to go. I was going to school the next morning, but I got up in the middle of the night. And I heard somebody crying. And Sam said I eased down the stairs, and it was Dad. He was at the foot of the bed. Downstairs, he was crying and praying. And Sam said he had been down with his back. He'd been down. doctor told him he was going to get operated on. When Dad said, no, I'm not, the doctor said, you'll be back. And he left out of there. But Sam said, I come downstairs, and Dad was crying, and he was praying. And he said, I didn't want to disturb you, so I went back upstairs. He said, when I got up at 6 o'clock or what it was to go to school, he said, I look, and Dad was already gone to work. And he said, I remembered thinking he was so sick. He was hurting so bad. But he had made a, he'd made a decision. I got to work. I got to make it. I got to keep going. I got family. I got kids. I got bills to pay. I know Sam was just trying to lift up my dad. But see... God gives us a place in life, and Pop couldn't turn away from it. I've seen him stand out here when he barely could talk. He set an example to us, sick or well. Mom said he just kept running. He ran out of sicknesses every time he'd get one, he'd run out of it. I'm not trying to boast my father. He's just a man. But I know what was in his heart was a commitment to God. And he couldn't let it go. And that's what's got to be in our heart. We have to make a commitment to him. If you don't, the world's going to keep bidding. Going to keep you in the easy chair. We got a race to run. I don't like running anymore. I don't run very good. But I got a race to run. Sometimes I get up, you see me walking in the morning, you'd say, you ain't going to be able to run no more. But God has put something inside of us that makes us get up and keep going. Fight for it. Strive for it. Don't walk away from it. Love him until you see his face clearly. Love him. Keep searching for him. Abraham didn't become the friend just overnight. He became a friend because he heard God's voice. For him to take that promised son, to walk him all the way to that mountain and take him up there ready to offer him because God told him to. He knew. God knew then. Abraham wouldn't withhold nothing from him. See, Abraham knew if God has me to kill him, God will raise him back up. He knew it. Do you believe God that much? Do you trust him? We have to fight this to the end. I praise God for what God has said today. I don't know who it's for. Maybe it's just something to chew on. If you're here today and you need to pray, this altar is always open.